there's a passion inside that speaks through the darkness society hides my voice will range with the truth on my side i won't be unstoppable until the day i die hello and welcome to 21st century vitalism i'm your host brett Kane. And today's track is Break the Cycle from today's guest. And we got a good episode in store for you. Also got a ton of cool updates. So we now have an email address for the show. It is 21stCenturyVitalism at gmail.com. I know, big surprise there. Uh, what this allows me to do is gives you a channel to get a hold of me. If you have any feedback for the show, if you want to be on the show, if you know anybody who should be on the show, um, this allows you to reach out and actually start a conversation with me. Um, I think feedback super important for any creative project. So this is kind of the prototype and the, uh, the first step in bridging that gap. So you can see me and I can see you and, uh, we can grow the show together. Outside of that, starting next week, I'm going to be uploading episodes over to YouTube and we're making that leap. It's not going to be video, but what I will be doing is chunking up parts of episodes so um, people who are not familiar with the show, they can uh, spend three minutes and hear a chunk and then, you know, see if they like it. It also helps you decide what episodes you want to hear, um, as well as just gives you more ways to interact with the show. Um, I do plan on doing video uh, probably next year, but, you know, it's not right now. Uh, today's guest is my friend and yours, uh, the friendly neighborhood, Tony Guerin. If you're unfamiliar with Tony, he is a musician, community builder, and fellow podcaster as well. Uh, he was doing a lot of solo musician stuff under just his name, Tony Guerin, but he has been actually working with the band that he started, Why Not? It's kind of an acoustic jam uh, positivity booming hybrid band that uh, they span a lot of different genres but the the constant theme is um they're really positive like i say in the episode they're music for activists meditators spiritual folks um and it really does reflect a lot of the work that he does in his communities this episode is all about community building uh specifically like conscious community building um we talk a lot about the organization well is an organization i don't know but it's a, it's a neighborhood community called GRASS, um, which stands for the Grand Rapids Autonomous Support System. Um, what this does, give, it gives people a platform to meet every single week and talk about the issues of their, of their neighborhood, of what they're going through. Um, and it has been a really useful um, platform for me to be able to interact and network with the folks in my current life literally everything i have is kind of because of grass it, it really is a network of really interesting and inspirational people who are all pursuing their own passions and this just provides uh, a container for us to all meet and uh, just share our lives together um, there's been a lot of different initiatives through grass there's been um a lot of like coat drives and uh, we've done a couple music festivals open source art shows a lot of like charity outreach stuff 
Plus, um, we do these things called deep dives where we all investigate a certain subject every month and then come together and educate each other. Uh, it's a really cool platform, and what's really cool is that it's something that you can create in your own neighborhood, and that's what I wanted to do with this episode. Uh, so we talk about the history of it, how it got started, what you can do to initiate this in your own communities, um, some of the core principles that you can implement in terms of just how it's structured, how you can kind of keep the relative um, organization of it. Uh, Grass is decentralized, so there is no one leader, one founder. So I say Tony founded it, but as soon as he did, he kind of kicked the ball down the the court, so to speak. I don't think you kick balls down courts. Yeah, well, um, yeah, this was fun. Tony's been a good friend for a long time. He's actually my first podcast. I was on his. It's uh, Tune In and Find the Others. You can find that on YouTube, Spotify. He's got a lot of interesting ideas, um, and it's it's his vibe. He's a very open and authentic human being, and I think everyone who meets him definitely gets that sensation. And, uh, yeah, he's inspired me over the years and, you know, been a consistent part of my life. So, you know, the more that I get to interact with him, the better. So without further ado, I think that that's all the bookkeeping. One last thing, if you do want to support the show, the best thing you could possibly do is give us a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts. I know I say it a lot, but this helps us get more viewers. Uh, It helps us rise up in the algorithm, so it expands the conversation. Helps me potentially get sponsorship. Uh, A lot of people want to know just what your metrics are, and this is the one metric that most people base a lot of their ideas of how they're doing so um, yeah apple podcast uh, will be on youtube next week as i said um, yeah just uh always looking to rise to new heights you know i mean this show is really just starting i feel like a lot of shows don't really get their swing until um 50 plus episodes so i'm i'm looking at a lot of things i'm looking at ways to give back and include all of y'all fellow listeners into the, the fold because that's what this is about. We're here to um, change the conversation of what wellness is, to incorporate a lot of different things. And that's only really going to happen if, A, I work on myself, and B, I find ways to share those offerings with you. So I've said it before, but this upcoming year is going to bring in a lot of new systems, um, ways that we can interact and community. We're going to build a community together, and I'm really excited for it. It really ties in with all my other practices, and I have a lot of things that I'm going to be offering y'all, and I'm really excited for us to get to know each other more and uh, continue what we're doing. So that's where we're at. Um, yeah, we're in December now. It's it's the time, it's the place, um, the season of giving and reciprocity, and this episode is all about that. So without further ado, again, here is Tony Guerin. Welcome to the show. Says my strength, I synergize my energy. Taking a back, my power, yeah, taking a back, my freedom. Oh, 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 oh. pray the cycle. Even if you thought you'd fall, oh, oh. Come and find your center, passion inside. Tony Guerin, hello and welcome to 21st Century Vitalism. How are we doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I woke up, looked at my schedule, and was like, oh, snap, I get to record an episode with Tony today. This is going to be fun. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm very fortunate that we're able to uh, sit down and share some space. I mean, you live right up the road, but both of our houses are kind of on lockdown right now, as is the rest of the state and country. So I'm glad that we have this uh, this moment to share with each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful to, to you were on my podcast and now I get to be on your podcast. And it's always, it's always good to uh, just like flow through like how we see the world and uh, come to um, points in conversation. Like I, I, I actually uh, w- listened to the episode that you were on in my podcast uh, the other day and it was really interesting how like um, one of the things I said is we've had so many beautiful conversations uh, in the past and um, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast was to be able to record those organic conversations as they just like unlocked all this mystery and wow, I never thought of it that way. Like, man, we should have been recording this conversation. Um, and now with, now we're doing consistent podcasts. Like now those conversations can be recorded and put out into the ether and people can listen to them and, um, maybe inspired in their own life. So this is great. Yeah. I, I appreciate you coming on. And I got to say, um, that was actually my first like recorded podcast I ever did was your show. Um, and, uh, I'll probably have said it in the intro, but yeah, I'm just, it bears repeating. It's a tune in and find the others, which you can find on YouTube and Spotify. Dang it. We're supposed to wait. <laughs> um, but, uh, what I found, and I'm kind of curious for you, like we're here, like record organic conversations. Did you kind of find that there was like a window, like when you first started, it almost is kind of like, you have to like soften into the organic conversation you can't just like okay record now we're gonna be spontaneous you know like i know for me it took a couple episodes to like really start feeling the um just kind of the flow of things i don't know did you kind of feel that too yeah i mean it it's just what i feel like you have to do is you just gotta treat it like it's a normal conversation right you can't like like i think it's easy like when when there's like a camera on us or like we're being recorded to like seize up and be like ah oh, like how do i move my hands and how do i <laughs> you know like how do i exist um but i think uh it all just like just got to let go right that's the yeah. key yeah yep yeah for me it takes like there's definitely a level of preparation i have for each guest cuz i definitely have like points that I want to make sure that I make but at the same time it's like I prepare and then I just completely let go before and just like trust that you know the little bit of preparation I did will shine through naturally and not something I have to like drag us through mm-hmm. you know it's the the points are they're looser than you know it's not I don't have specific sentences I'm I gotta say for adverts or whatever you know um, yeah so for those who are not familiar with our dynamic and, you know, I still feel like we're uh, kind of always redefining who we are to each other. I feel like what I really like about our, our relationship is that there's always, there's a lot of space in it, you know? And I feel like with a lot of friends, I, I maybe feel like a little guilty, like, oh man, we haven't like talked. I like got to do that thing. But I feel like with you and me, like we'll go a little bit without talking. And then when we come together, it's just this explosion of ide- ideation. And, um, you know, we can kind of like unpack the things that we've been learning and, you know, that's kind of been happening since we've met. 
I feel like. Um, yeah, and that we met, what, is it five years ago? Yeah, it was about five years ago, six years ago. Uh, yeah, it was, it, uh, I think it was Branch Out Camp Out that we met at, and then it was Six Crows that, like, we, we really started to bond. Yeah, um, yep, yep. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, and it has. It's super weird when I look back at um, that time around like, the Branch Out Camp Out era. It's just like, oh, my God, so many seeds were planted that are now becoming saplings and trees and shrubs. And, um, yeah, I'd say the, uh, a large part of our dynamic and the way that it's unfolded has been through the container of grass, which is actually what I want to talk to you about today um, in terms of, like, community development. Um, I think it really pertains a lot to this current now moment um, in late 2020, you know, with uh, the pandemic and um, just kind of like a tightening of um, uh, like censorship on social media. You know, I feel like the clamp is starting to close. So um, the big thing I really wanted to bring you on here for outside of just uh, sharing a lovely chat is to talk about the importance of community. So when did you realize in your life that community was something that was important to you? That's a really good question. Um, I think, I think I want to start by describing the way that I realized, um, community can be the biggest driving force of change with the stakes that our world is in right now. About a year or two before grass started, um, I was following a few different people that were talking about freedom cells is this concept of having like eight to 10 people in, in a group that would all be proficient in CPR that would all be pr proficient in like having a bug out bag and, um, being being ready for any kind of crisis or anything to happen in their local community where they can band together. And the whole idea was that you would have these eight to ten people and um, there was a lot of studies that showed that around 12 people, eight to 12 people, um, is the number that humans work best together with. Um, and so when you have this eight, eight to 12, uh, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less people, you have this specific tight community. And if it grows to being bigger than that, then you can have another community that's like connected. And so you start building this, like, almost like this uh, honeycomb type of situation where you have all these communities that are interlocked with, e with each other and um, they come together for different events. They come together for um, different mutual aid, different support, and then they become a bigger force for good. And so during the time I was studying about that and really studying the words of like Buckminster Fuller, who was saying the only way you change things is by making the old system obsolete by creating a new system. 
Um, and so I started toying around with uh, connecting with my community and um, trying to bring people together through protests um, and through uh, musical means, uh, shows, and um, eventually it came to uh, what became known as Grass. Um, and that really like set the stage for everything in the last five, six years. Um, and it's been a lot of reorganizing how I even interact with people. Um, and it's been interesting the way that community has shown up when you least expect it and at the perfect opportunity. I think I'm hitting a dead wall. <laughs> no, I think that that uh, sums it up pretty accurately, especially with my experience with grass. Um, it, for me, has been like a whirlwind of opportunity, of positivity, generally. Um, and I feel like it's hit some snags, but I think overall the intention is kind of what brings a lot of people together. It's kind of given me the entire platform that I'm operating from in life. You know, I met my entire... A group of friends here in Grand Rapids through grass, <laughs> um, you know, and it's really equipped me with like the skills and tools and know-how on how to better be autonomous within myself, maybe not directly, but inadvertently. Um, so how exactly did it start? What were like some of the first few steps that you took when you saw the need for something like this in the um, bigger community of Grand Rapids? Like what was, I mean, you said it was, um, activism was a big part of what brought you here but what were those initial days and how did that kind of build so to speak so it was the beginning of 2015 um it was towards the end of the spring um and i don't know what happened first if it was the big intention setting or it was meeting with uh, my friend evan um but those two things happened. The first was a huge intention setting. Um, I'll do um, kind of magic, if you will, sometimes, where it's a, a big intention setting for something very huge to come through. Um, and I'll believe it very strongly, and I'll put a lot of energy into it, and... Um, what ends up happening is a huge shift in my life starts occurring. Um, and one of the things I really wanted to focus on was a mutual aid support system in Grand Rapids for whenever shit hit the fan. That was my original intention. And that was like a lot of energy went into that. Um, I was meeting with my friend Evan uh, around the same time and he was talking about the same thing and so it was very clear that we're supposed to join forces um, and he was talking about ways that uh, we could have like different like trading posts within the city um, that we could have like different like central locations where people would come in and um, they would share their food and they'd share their uh, tools and skills and whatnot. Um, and then 
uh, he ended up like printing out lots of documents on uh, like local plants and how to spot them and how to use them. Um, and uh, a lot of just like knowledge that's been kind of lost in our society and so it was really interesting and I was like wow we can you know we can try to build um, a network of people that are trying to live as free humans on the ground level and um, so I had been working with a uh, organization like a, a movement called the common ground movement and at the time, it was specifically about preventing any new wars that were happening um, on the global scale and orchestrated by the United States government. And when I realized that the movement wasn't embracing a deeper sense of community, I knew that it was time to start doing that myself. And so... I started organizing, um, the first gatherings were called Common Ground Movement Grand Rapids. Um, and I would put out the call every single Wednesday that I was going to be there at 7 p.m. and meet with people um, and try to discuss these ideas and get the ball rolling on this. Um, so I would be out there every single week. There are times that there was six people, seven people. There are times that there's one person that showed up. Um, and towards the end of it, it started getting like slimmer. And I was like, okay, what do I need to do to get this, get this rolling? And I started to do group meditations in the same place, but on Fridays um, and that one caught on, um, and it was funny because like once it was a specific action, that's when the movement happened. Um, so I did the first meditation and there was like, I don't know, there was like 10 people. It was amazing. And then the next one, um, there was... It was around 10 people, maybe it was 15 people, and I saw Alex Beecroft for the first time in two years, because I had met him at the first protest that I'd ever gone to, and we connected really deeply, and we went out to O'Toole's afterwards, this was long before I even worked there, um, and we connected, and he said that he was going to go go off and um, learn uh, farming skills and uh, be a vagabond. And um, he ended up coming back when I did that second meditation. And then after the meditation, I talked to him about what I was trying to build, what I was trying to... Uh, uh, create space for um and it was starting to get colder and I knew that we we're gonna have to find a place indoors to meet and he offered his home 
which was ended up being my home for the past four years. And so we started meeting at a place we called Parkwood. And um, first meeting was very, like, it's just like beautiful in in many aspects and it would it grew from six people to four people to 10 people to 15 people then sometimes it got up to 35 people 40 people um at its peak there's an insane amount of people and um many connections and uh yeah um that's that's pretty much it <laughs> yeah, that, that covers up a lot of history there. It kind of feels, I mean, when I was interacting there, especially when I look back at it, it was kind of like a karmic billiard game of billiards and that like so many big personalities were meeting and bouncing off of each other and influencing and inspiring each other. And it kind of became this like energetic soup that we were all like leveling up, you know, and I'm glad that you brought up Parkwood because uh, I've never actually lived there physically, but I feel like that place was my home when I first moved to Grand Rapids, you know, I'd go there and it was a completely different world than uh, anywhere in my hometown or where I was currently living in the smaller city next. Um, but when you guys were drafting up just exactly what you wanted to do with this uh, system, because I'm not going to call it an organization because it's kind of decentralized, so there's no hierarchy of power, um, you guys ended up drafting up like core pillars. What are those pillars and why do you think that that was an important aspect of creating this container? Um, so the pillars didn't come until much later. Oh. But we definitely created values, um, and those were kind of a pillar that we stood on. And um, we used those values to really describe what we're going to do in Grand Rapids and what we're going to, how we're going to be supportive to each other. Um, and those were um, the uh, happiness and the pursuit thereof. Uh, it was environmentalism. It was consent culture. Um, it was um, gratitude. Uh, so that you have all these values that are geared towards um, specific practices like meditation is one of those practices. And that's one of the things that, you know, allowed grass to be birthed. Um, and so when we drafted these values, we went around in a circle and we all listed as many values as possible on a sheet of paper. Each person took a sheet of paper, wrote down all the values. We put them all in a circle we put them all in a pile and we went through the list of all the ones that were consistent, all the ones that kept showing up over and over again. And those ended up becoming the values. Mm. Um, over time we had specific things happen that caused us to reevaluate the values. Um, and eventually we came to, um, I think it was last year we we went down to five values because we felt like that was a a good number a very solid number it was it was simple you didn't have to remember 12 values um 
Uh, so it was five values, and then we came up with uh, uh, pillars. Um, and so the pillars are like community resilience is really like the the foundation of all of this. What we're trying to go towards with building community in a decentralized way is find a way to be resilient in our lives through our connections um, and not tearing down anybody else to get what we need. It's, it's, it's that impulse of gift cultures, that impulse of I'm going to help out my neighbor because I know in times of need they would help me out in return. But it's not a transactional thing. You know, it's not like, oh, I did this for you, so you have to do this for me. Um, it's not a, that at all. And um, when we can come from that place of gift culture, all is provided for, and especially on a local level. I mean, it can sound very utopian until you see it actually happen on a local level. And so that's really what we're trying to build and create. Um, so no matter what happens in our society, in our community, in our city, um, we have connections that can be there for each other, that can support each other, and can, you know, be, uh, I'm just going to say it, be the change um, on a local level. Well. Wow. So that's one of the pillars, uh, community resiliency. What are the other uh, four that you guys ended up narrowing all the things down to? So the main thing that we're going towards is community resilience. Um, the pillars um, to achieve that are uh, consent culture, gift culture, and then what we call active liberation. Um, and active liberation was... I actually came through um, between myself and my roommate at the time. And we were talking about ways that we can um, describe how, like describe what the function is or what, what is one of the, one of the things that like is the most common theme uh, that we see um and also in regards to, um, you know, Black Lives Matter, in regards to the the state of uh, racial disparities in our world, um, active liberation, to me, sounds like uh, we are actively liberating ourselves and others. Um, but you have the consent in there too. So it's not like you're forcing other people to activate. It's like you're inviting other people into um, a further activation to, you know, let go of the cultural conditioning uh, that has been kind of implemented into us for years and years and years. Um, so on a local level, we are practicing a culture of consent. We are practicing a um, exchange culture of gifts, of uh, giving without 
expectation of return. And then through those exchanges, we are practicing actively liberating ourselves from the conditions that our society has placed on us so we can learn to live more free. Yeah, and as soon as you said, like, active liberation, to me, it kind of reminds me of the idea that, like, in order, I mean, you have to want to be able to be free in order to join an autonomous support system. You know, like, that has to be kind of like a prerequisite is that you're kind of seeking uh, liberation from the social systems that are kind of uh, the norm, you know. So I feel like anybody who ends up finding themselves in this space, there's probably already a degree of, like, actively looking for an alternative and a sense of liberation from the constraints that our society places on them. Do you think that that's kind of accurate? Yeah, and it it, it can sound very airy-fairy and, and maybe uh, utopian in a way, but I think like it really comes down to basic, basic human needs that have gone unmet. I mean, um, one of the things we do is just go around a circle and listen to each other's story. You know, that's yeah. that's been lost in a lot of ways um, in our society of like, go, go, go. We have to like m- do this job and provide for this family and like, uh, oh, beware the news and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's to have spaces where we can just sit and listen to each other's story and listen to each other's um, mornings um, and uh, each other's dreams and then try to support each other in each other's dreams. Um, I think it's a breath of fresh air and I think people are, um, at least in the, the last five years, I think people have really been inspired by it. And many people have come into the circle and then gone off on their own and had their own experiences of, um, creating community in what makes sense to them, uh, either by going to school and being proficient in a certain craft, um, and then being a teacher or, um, uh, a lot of different avenues. Uh, but I think the result is, um, it's churning out more, um, aware people to face the world, um, in a more grounded way. And I think that during this time, especially, I think that's absolutely necessary. So just going to continue to try to find more ways to connect with our community in light of the pandemic. Um, even if we can't meet together physically, you know, um, try to find ways to connect and, uh, and especially with the winter looming, um, try to be a, uh, almost like a mental health check-in to all the people in our community. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you say in the circle, what exactly does that mean? And like, how, how does grass operate on a week to week basis? Um, I mean, we have we have the pillars down now. We have the way that it was made, but on like a day to day operation level, what exactly? How do people plug into grass? What does that look like? Like, are there responsibilities, roles? Um, what's like the structure that kind of keeps this entire boat together? 
Yeah, good question. So a lot of people ask that, and they're and they're very curious of what is it? Like it's not an organization. It's not a like. So what is it? And and, and very often people want to define it, and it's very hard to define. But essentially, what happens is we have a weekly meeting. Um, and we've gone away from using the word meeting because some people think, oh, it's a meeting. Like, I don't like whatever. It's it's a very fun gathering of people that just have a structured conversation um, that get people closer together and get people to know each other in their community. And then also um, come up with uh, ideas for actions in Grand Rapids and with the people that you're meeting with, um, to either like help out somebody or, um, set up an event, um, whatever it may be. So we will meet on Tuesdays, usually at a park or, um, somebody's house or what will be our new, our new venue space. Um, and we will go through a agenda. We will come up with an agenda together of what it is we want to talk about. And then we'll go into Rosebud Thorn, which is like everyone sharing something that's positive in their life, that's negative in their life, and something that's blossoming or, bl or blooming. Um, and then by connecting with the people in our community, then we'll go into topics to discuss um, and have that be an open space to share dialogue. Um, and in a lot of ways it is vague because, you know, a lot of times we don't know what's going to be discussed before it happens. There will be topics that carry over from one week to the next if we don't get to them. Um, and then basically the way the structure happens through that what people rise to being uh, leaders. There are, there are no people that are in control of grass, but there are people that have decided to work more diligently on the logistics side of things. And so we call that group of people the guild. Um, it's the logistics guild, and there's different guilds that we'll um, talk about later, but uh, the logistics guild is all about creating the event page for next week. Um, it's all about discussing um, any of the grievances that anybody has in the community and try to uh, communicate with those parties. Um, lo the logistics team is just trying to make uh, things flow uh, for like for the collective a little easier and then we'll decide who's the um the person that's going to be facilitating at the next meeting um what do you mean by facilitating so what does that exactly look like yeah so one person does is designated to lead the meeting so they um in a way they uh are a guide for conversation to flow. Um, so they start off the meeting by saying, um, uh, let's breathe together, and then we'll go into discussing the topics. 
Um, and so they are kind of like a mediator um, for the conversation to flow. And they'll call upon people who have their hands raised in, in order. Um, and so although this facilitator is someone that is, um, is a leader, um, when any decision is being made, it's up to the collective to decide together. And we run that through consensus. So um, if not everybody in the body agrees that something should go through, then it doesn't happen. Um, and the way this gets worked out is if there is a, um, if there is a grievance about something, if there's a grievance about a decision that is about to be made by the collective, then somebody raises their hand and they talk about it. And if at the end of that conversation, that person feels satisfied, we feel like we've amended um, the, the action um, and it sounds good, then it goes through. There's like a tiered system of like, Twinkle fingers up is like all good, like we're good to go. Um, like middle twinkle fingers is like, it's like whatever to me. I'm not like, I'm not going to stop it from happening. Neither for nor against. Right, right. And then there's a, the down fingers, which is like, I have a grievance about this, but I'm not going to prevent it from happening. I'm just like trying to air my grievance. And like at that point we would talk about it. Um, the last thing is like the block, which is like only a situation where you would like leave the group if this was to go forward. And at that time we stop the conversation, return to it next week. And that's, I think that's only ever happened once. Well, so for people who are trying to start groups on their own, um, in terms of uh, consensus. Have you found that there's been any issues with consensus? Because uh, I'm kind of of the inclination that I really like the idea of the complete total democracy, but I also think that um, for there to be like a solid container, there almost does need to be someone kind of at the helm to kind of like steer the ship, like allow most choices to be shared with everybody. But like, do, do you find that there's some limitations or do you think functionally it might be one of the better ways to have something like this. It works on a small scale. Okay. Which is the original freedom cell idea of eight to 12 people. Nice. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's just what has shown up for me. I don't think we've had, uh, many issues with consensus. Um, it seems to, it seems to have gone pretty well. Um, because most things get hashed out in the meeting. Um, and if there, there's a problem with whatever decision was made, then further conversation happens outside of that. And then we can decide again as a collective if this is something we want to do moving forward. Um, I guess the only problem would come in if it's the number of people that attend a meeting rises to 25, 30, 40 people. At that point, 
um, I think what makes sense, and I don't think we've really ever tried this, but um, the what I'm about to say we have tried, um, which is when we get to those levels of uh, the amount of people that are at a meeting, we break off into two or three different meetings. So we'll be generally in the same space, but we'll have like subgroups of like mm. seven, eight people. Um, and they all have their own meeting and then we'll come back together in a larger circle. Um, so I imagine what can happen is if there are any decisions that were made in each of those three or four or whatever groups. And when we come back together, we can say, well, this, this uh, freedom cell or this this uh, um, subgroup um, of this grass meeting decided on this and then we would put it to the, the larger collective um, because that one community or that one subgroup uh, decided as a collective that that was a really good idea. Um, it must mean that there's some merit to it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so then I think it would go to a larger circle and um, we would decide on, upon things there. Um, but you're right. I think having having this logistics guild is extremely important. Um, having a group of people that are merely dedicated to allowing for um, the events to take place and allowing for competent facilitators to be at the helm of each meeting. I think that's really important. Otherwise, um, it can be a drag to try to find people to want to, um, be leaders if they're not ready to be leaders. You know, we want this to be open for everybody, but not everybody is inclined to be a leader or to be a facilitator. And so if you have a dedicated group of people that um, are approved by, by the collective to um, do facilitation, um, at, uh, update the website, update um, different things online, um, monitor group activity on Facebook, um, I think that that allows for things to flow smoother. And so I... I I like what you said because it's like, to me, I really like the whole idea of competent hierarchy. Like, you have a group that's working as autonomously as possible, as like decentralized as possible, but you do have leadership, and that leadership is yeah. competent. Um, I think that's important moving forward. I think... Uh, as decentralized as possible, but having competent leadership. Yeah. Well, I think I think about like leadership is that oftentimes it is based on competence rather than power. There are definitely certain situations where power ends up usurping like the natural order. But I think the natural order is like the people who end up showing up who are the most competent end up naturally steering the thing and it's not something you have to like coerce other people. You don't have to like make a case. It's just you naturally kind of exude that that quality of leadership and i've really enjoyed the 
um, the open border of administration for grass. I think that that has been something really inspiring for me because it invites everybody to become a leader if they so choose. Um, my experience with it has always been that this is an open container that everybody brings their gifts to. And what I've enjoyed seeing is like the different eras of grass because there's different tones, there's different um, like initiatives, there's different efforts, there's different events. Um, even the way that meetings flow has been not, I wouldn't say drastically different, but you know, there's definitely, you can feel it when like all of the gears are lubed up and all the bolts are tightened. And then you can feel it when there's a little bit less energy because it's a little bit looser. People just show up with what they have the ability to show up for, which is still serves a function, still, still serves a purpose. But I, I really like the looseness of it all because it ends up allowing it if you have a problem with the the situation, then it's likely because you're not showing up with your own skills, mm. you know, like, and I find, I found myself in that kind of situation, you know, I've been apart for about five years. And there was a period where I was like, a little frustrated with some of the things that were happening. But at the same time, it was largely because I, I wasn't showing up with my skill aptitude, you know, and I think that that's this empowers individuals by interacting with community, you know, it's this open source um, thing that people can plug into and express and share their gifts as they see fit. Um, and overall, I mean, I think right now is probably feels the best that it's felt, you know, and I think that that kind of does come from competent, natural um, stepping up of certain folks in the community. Um, I think the container is really ripe for uh, inspiration. And it's kind of a bummer the pandemic is, you know, gotten in the way of us meeting physically. Mm -hmm. But um, my hopes is that as we're having this conversation, people are listening that they'll tune in to the uh, the online like Zoom meeting. Is it Zoom that we're using? Yeah, we utilize Zoom. Okay. Um, even if you're not in the Grand Rapids area, just tuning in and seeing how these meetings are, sorry, gatherings are structured in a way to equip everybody with a moment to speak, to share, be seen, but to also... Um, have an intention and like a forward direction you know it kind of has these two community individuality they're like in in bed together with this and i just think that that's really inspiring and i think a lot of people i think it is the way forward truly i think small locally based communities where you know your neighbor is it's the best way that we can move forward we have to stop looking at the tv and having the federal government tell us how our communities are doing they're not here you know they want to fill you up with all the fear and all the loathing and anxiety but really it's from plugging into your neighbors and having a container to do that in a way that respects and sees everybody and sets a, a shared mythos a shared mm -hmm. value system yeah. you know and as we're talking about like the values like that's up for whoever wants to take this up. Like you get to make the values with your community. Yeah. If gift culture isn't something that supports you, which in some situations it might not, then, you know, you can do that on your own. So where I want to kind of take this is for the people out there who don't know their neighbors, who want to start something like this because they feel that deep earnings. I think we all do. I think that's why we're addicted to social media is because we want community and we want to be seen and validated, which grass is one of those validating places I've ever been in. You know, you go in and everybody's like, woo. <laughs> so what, what do we do for the folks who don't have something like this? How do they get started for the natural leaders out there that just a don't know about it and B don't know how to start it. You know, what, what can they do? 
The first thing I'll say is that you don't have to know what to do in order to start doing it. Oof, I like that. That was the biggest thing that just drove me into action. Uh, like when I started seeing the corruption in the world and I started to um, look into different organizations and different people that were activists that were doing protests. Um, I was inspired by a video that was like, we need you to be that leader. Like stop looking for leaders outside of you uh, to do the things that you see need to get done in our society. Like we all see that there's problems. We're still, we're like, there's so many people that are looking for the answer. They're looking for a, uh, like a prophet or a, a, uh, and even if it's Bernie Sanders, yeah, even exactly. <laughs> even if it's not, even if it's on a subconscious level, like, uh, and we do this in our relationships too. We're looking for this goddess or we're looking for this, like this savior, this knight in shining armor. That's going to save our, uh, you know, our, um, struggle with reality or struggle with our lives or our love for ourselves. And, um, so what I'll say is that when I started creating protests back in 2013, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. I literally put up an event on Facebook and I said, I said, I'm calling on people to gather here for this specific purpose um, because I feel like this needs to happen. Um, and I did it and people came and we organized and we, it was like a, a positive feedback loop. People thought it was amazing. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I guess I could do this. And I did another one. I will say I'm a very privileged human being. I'm a white male. Um, I, do not think that this is uh, always possible in every community. Um, I think there's ways to engage in every community. I think there's, you have to find in your own town, in your own uh, scene, where's the sweet spot? Where, where is the, the place where people gather or the, or the, Where's the where's the the mythos of like this cultural scene, and um, for me it started through Facebook, but it doesn't necessarily have to start through Facebook. I think just reaching out and saying I want to connect with this, I want to connect with people that want to do meditation, I want to connect with people that are down to share each other's food. Hey or just directly reaching out to the neighbor or across from you or, um, down the street. Um, you like, I, one of the things that keeps coming up right now is like, listen to your intuition, like listen to the, the, the uh, I don't know the the signs that keep, if there's somebody down the street that you keep, like they keep popping in your mind, you haven't reached out to them, but it's like, man, I think they would be cool to like, to connect with or talk to do it like just like reach out and though though it may be scary to bridge that gap um and you don't know what's going to happen on the other side of that jump uh i think starting from those 
small connections uh, is what can build it to a bigger support system like you see with grass. So if you have two friends in the area that are really about meditation or they're really about growing food, um, connect with those people and try to establish uh, a routine with them. Like we're going to do this every single week or we're going to do this every single month where we connect in, um, in these certain ways. And then let's, let's expand it. Let's, let's make the call out to have other people come in and we can have this, like this, this group situation where, um, we connect on a deeper level because we have more people that are interested in the same thing and, and each person takes on a load. So the load is less for everybody. Um, I think it can start from one household and it can start from a couple neighbors. Um, and I think the more that you establish consistency with events and, and just not even events, like I don't even like to call them events, like, like almost like dates in a way. Like you're, you're structuring these dates that you're going to meet together for this shared purpose. Um, and you keep doing that over and over and over again, um, putting your heart and your soul into it. And with this, with whatever intention you want, if, if building a local resilient community is something that is your primary focus, say that, you know, make sure that's known. Um, and speak to what we're, uh, dealing with in society, you know, like, talk about how, you know, I'm, I'm fed up with the way that, you know, the top is stealing all the, all the wealth and that, um, and that, you know, large corporations are stealing up all the food and glyphosate and, um, man, like the, the, the media is becoming so tainted and, and fear-based and I'm just trying to create local resilience in my community does anybody want to show up like and you make that call out in there like you just you just call out you just reach out um with your will and um as they say i think if you build it they will come i was thinking the same thing <laughs> yeah i think if the intention is pure enough if you have a clear defined uh, goal or um, value that you want to rally around in like grass's case you know community resiliency unplugging from the larger cultural narrative and plugging into the immediate moment of your neighbors um, you know and like really refining it down to like a crystalline idea and then finding clever ways to communicate that to people even if it's not on Facebook like going into a coffee shop getting a flyer made um, for just like a meetup or something and um I mean, it, it definitely helps, I mean, in terms of, like, organizational sake. You know, I think the consensus model that we talked about earlier, um, just in terms of, like, keeping people from talking over each other and, like, creating the container, you know, I think um, it is kind of important to have some sort of idea going into that first meeting, um, just what you're looking for. You know, I think, like, the intention is huge. It's one thing to, like, have everybody gather and you're just like, I don't know, I just have this emotion, but to be able to, like, help steer that ship through your intention and to be able to actually 
build a collective vision that you can all ascribe to, you know, I think that might take a little bit of finesse. Do you have any resources that might be, I mean, you mentioned like the freedom cell idea. Um, is there any books on community organizing or anything that you'd suggest that would help people just better prepare? Yes. Um, uh, there's a book called people in permaculture, uh, that I highly recommend. It goes through different models of, uh, permaculture as it relates to people. Um, so in permaculture, we're looking at the ways that, uh, you know, plants interact with each other to, to give a benefit to all. Um, so when you're like, you're growing a garden, you're making sure that you're, that one plant is next to another plant and you're using this type of soil and you're feeding it with this, the, this compost. Um, you have like a, a, a cycle of like a, uh, a system in place. Um, so this book actually talks about the way that you can do that with people and you can do that with community. Um, and I haven't read through all of it, but it talks about consensus. It talks about facilitation. Um, so I really recommend um, getting into that book. Um, do you know who the author is by chance? The author is Luby, L-O-O-B-Y, McNamara. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then also, I would say uh, anything on social permaculture. Look up the term social permaculture, and uh, Skyhawk, I think, is the one that that coins that that term, social permaculture. Um, and she has a lot of good writings on it, so I really recommend looking into that. And it talks about gift culture. Um, and gift culture is really a means of like, when we're talking about like this community building and resiliency, really what it comes down to is mutual aid. And yeah. I feel like it's one of the number one, it's like, it's foil proof. Like you put out that, Hey, like, what do you need? Like you just put out like, like, or you go to a neighbor and you say, Hey, is there anything, is there any way that I can help you out? Like, is there any way that I can like cook fruit food for you a certain day when you're like busy with your kids and you don't want to cook for yourself or something like, and obviously during this pandemic, it, it makes things a little bit harder, but if we get creative, we can find ways to put it out there to help our neighbor. And once we do that gift, once we offer that gift, we feel that love in return that we had given a gift. Like, it's not that like, oh, I extended all this energy and like, oh, are they going to give that energy back to me? Once you give a gift, it's like that you have that feeling of joy, right? Like it's that, it's that internal like signal that like you've done something good. You've like, you've like interacted with your brain in a way that like produces that happy, those happy chemicals, um, and then by giving a gift that other person has received happy chemicals as well. And so they want to give in return. It's, it's a very, um, though it may not happen every time it may not happen that like this person immediately gives back to you that positive karma, I think 
does a whole lot. And if we believe in that, if we really like start trusting that, it just takes on a life of its own. Yeah, and I, I think a big part about the gift culture, at least what it speaks to me and its importance, is that it also helps reframe the thinking mind away from consumerist culture. Because on the surface, there isn't a direct like benefit, you know, so the more that we practice that, and it's the same thing with like practicing compassion, mm. you know, it, it, it helps you realign your value system, which when we're talking about building uh, community resilience and like connection with our neighbors, I think it really is going to take a restructuring of our value systems and in the age of not only social media, but the pandemic, I think honestly, our greatest resource are the people that are around us. Mm -hmm. You know, we are social creatures and I mean, most people don't know their neighbors, you know? So I, I think the more opportunities we find to connect in different novel ways, the more we build genuine relationships and, you know, the less we'll be reliant on external systems like Walmart and, you know, Chiquita Bananas to give us... I don't know why I'm throwing shade at Chiquita, but, um, you know, we'll be able to actually help start supporting more locally. And, you know, if you have gifts to offer, then start offering to your neighbors, you know. I think, yeah, the gift culture is, I, I think, part and parcel for the entire system. Mm -hmm. We're here to give each other's gifts, you know. Like, what else is human life about? What else is specialization about? Yeah, you do want to be compensated because we have bills to pay, but at the same time, there's a lot of opportunity. There, there's other resources other than finance. You know, it's important. I mean, I'm not saying throw it away, but, you know, there's other ways to be reimbursed. Um, and even in having the opportunity to give, that is that is a reimbursement. You know, it helps you solidify who you are in the whole scheme of things. And like you said, it gives you good karma. It helps you create more favorable conditions for sociability and you know it's it's the the lifeblood that keeps community afloat mm -hmm. <laughs> you know but we just don't have a strong sense of community because now we're all i feel like the tv was like the big advent of the the disillusion of local community and we've all started plugging into a national community mm -hmm. rather than you know nobody knows the butcher up the road but we all know tyson chicken mm -hmm. you know because the advertisements unless someone's privileged enough to be able to afford advertisements in that case then you know them and only them and then the the person who has the same quality of work if not better work it you know they get left by the wayside so yeah i, I think a big part of what we need to do you know i think in hand in hand is unplugging from the the national narrative and I think in order to unplug, like you said about Buckminster Fuller, we have to build something better, you know, and w we need models like grass is not a perfect model, but it is a model and it's something that's alternative. So that's honestly what I want to leave listeners with today is just like, it's up to you <laughs> as of one of your songs, Tony, um, you know, it's up to us. Like we're the ones we've been waiting for, you know, and I think that whatever you can do to start implementing some of these principles and these pillars into your own communities, it, it, it's the only way forward. It's the only way. Agreed. Agreed. And also I, w I do want to say like, if anybody wants to reach out to me about further questions about what um, we've experienced for five years, because we've gone through a lot of trials and errors and, and figuring this out because it's, it's all just been, 
we've kind of been just like stumbling through it uh, these past five years. But over time, we've crystallized different methods that that genuinely work. And um, uh, it's gotten to a point where um, they're like, I don't know, in my head, I have a lot of stories to tell you of things that happened because we didn't take enough care in this certain situation. We didn't recognize this sooner or I didn't recognize this sooner. Um, and I think, uh, it's, it's totally valid to ask questions and to, to be, um, because I get people a lot when I, when I start talking about this, I get people a lot ask, well, I don't, you know, I don't know anybody in my community. I don't, I don't know anybody that is like me and where I am. And to that, I'll say like, continue, continue to reach out, um, because there are ways that I started where I, I just worked with what I had, you know, everyone, everyone where they are, uh, every community is going to be different. Every scene is different. Every town is different city. Um, and I think it takes an assessment with like the first, the first principle of permaculture Just study the first per principle of permaculture. And it's, it's, it's observe and react or it's it assess and find the situation that you're in, study it and try to find ways that you can reach out to people, even if you don't know who they are or know anybody that's like you. Um, and furthermore, I'm totally open to, um, anybody reaching out. Yeah. And I also think like a lot of people don't realize that they're about this until they're presented with it. <laughs> you know, like we often have this idea in our head, if we wanted to start a community, like I got to have these really hip, cool people, but it's like, if you put the word out, you'd be really surprised at who comes out. And I think as long as you don't have this expectation, like this is going to be sexy, you know, I'm going to have all these cool, like activist people, they're going to have dreadlocks and play guitar. And, you know, like they have this very specific idea of what the community they want is, but what's important is like the community that you have, you know, and I think, I think that's, that's social media, right? Is we have this ability to look at all these people from across the globe who are super cool and they, you know, like, man, I just, I just really want what they have. And it's like, it, it's just taken away from what your actual power and resource is, like the people who are immediately in your sure. area, you know? So, and that's not to say that you won't be able to connect with those really cool people. You know, if you, if the thing you're doing is, um, has integrity and is really dope, then, you know, it's going to catch on, you know, even if you have a bunch of like church going ladies in their sixties, you know, I mean, honestly, that's where all like the good, you, you want to learn about like canning and food and <laughs> resiliency. They're the ones with the resiliency. Oh, yeah. Like we need more of those people. We got to have the multi-generational thing. So, I mean, I'd just say that, like, don't be dismayed if it doesn't, if you go a month or two without anybody showing up, you know, just keep the pressure up and someone will see it and it's not going to be who you expect, but they're going to be the ones who help you build the thing. <laughs> you know, exactly. I will say too, that's exactly what happened with me. Like I'll, not many people showed up, uh, for the first few times there, there were times when nobody showed up, there would be two, three weeks in a row where maybe, 
the only people that showed up were people that were just already downtown. And that's where I started, you know, just, just the people that were there. Like, Hey, would you like to just like have a conversation with me about this thing that I'm really trying to start? And it takes courage and, it, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I think, um, we have so much more power than we give ourselves credit for. We have so much more confidence, uh, than we give ourselves credit for. And it's, it's when we allow ourselves to let go of the fear of the other that we're able to step into this, um, what, what community is all about is like, we're all just here walking each other home. We're all just here trying to figure it out. No one has it figured out. Um, and so, you know, coming into that with humility and, uh, honoring the other person as just another soul encased in flesh across from you, uh, that is dr struggling, that, that deals with struggles, that deals with addictions, that, um, deals with loss and sorrow. And, um, I think once we, you know, just let go of the fear of connecting with that other, then we can really start to build community. That's wonderful. Yeah. I almost feel like what might even be a better situation is that you don't get your expectations met. Mm -hmm. If you'd put this out there and then you attract a bunch of people that you weren't normal, like you weren't anticipating, you know, I think like that's more real than whatever idea you had about community. You know, I find that a lot of people who orbit different communities, like community with the capital C, you know, where they have this idea of what it is. And it's just that it's like an idea, but it's like what community is, what is, it's like, what is actually there? And like, feeling that out and then you can de decline it you know you can get a community together and be like you know this really isn't for me and there's nothing wrong in that you know but you have to at least be able to see what's there and like feel the heart of the people mm -hmm. you know and i think that that grass i mean that's one of my honestly like favorite things these days is i go and the rosebud thorn the fact that we're where it's seeing and listening to each other is i think is super crucial and i i kind of struggle with that because i had a long time ago, I just like really lofty ideas. I wanted to friggin' save the world, dude. I didn't have time to hear how my community was doing. I had plans. I had, we had to get things in motion. We had to go feed everybody, everybody. <laughs> but it was actually, I, I, I'm like finding myself softening and seeing like that is the work. You know, it doesn't have to look like A, B, or C. It's, it's what is. And if all we can do this week is meet up and air our, uh, our anxieties, then, you know, that's real. You know, that's, that's real. That's valid. And that is your name. It's your community. It's your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It's the general temperature of outside, you know? Yeah. I will say too, also that there can be gatherings that are specifically just about airing our grievances and supporting each other in our mental illness. There can be yeah. gatherings that are, and that's what I'm, what I was trying to bring up with the guilds. Um, we call them guilds, but they're different. Um, people meet for different purposes. Some people just want to grow food. Some people just want to meditate together. And so, um, and like another thing I wanted to say too, is like, I come from a lot of friend groups back in the day that were all about getting messed up through like drinking all day, every day, 
through like different drugs, um, through uh, just like trying to escape reality. And if you find yourself breaking free from that mentality that that's how your life needs to be lived, you know, if that's something that you're trying to break away from, I think the people that you're having those experiences of like, like your drinking buddies or whatever, like talking with them and saying, Hey, like, I really want to break free from this and not do this every day. And you may get some resistance, but there may be somebody in that friend group that's thinking the exact same thing. And that connection, you can start to be a support system with that, that person and say, Hey, let's do this instead on Wednesdays instead of, or on Fridays, instead of going out to the bar or whatever, like, and then I think just like those, those small steps can guide friendships that were based around, um, escaping reality to integrating with reality and integrating with our fears and our traumas and, um, some of the best relationships can form from that. Yeah. I think that's the, one of the best jewels of community is that you integrate with your external reality, you know, as you're putting the call out and as you're organizing for whatever it is, whether it's to be sober, if it's to do activism, if it's to grow food, you're, you're expressing your values and you're manifesting them in the external world. So by creating and interacting with community, you're only solidifying the parts of yourself that you either want or don't want, you know? So I, I think that, you know, it's, it's one of the muscles we really need to flex on character development. You know, we have to be able to have it present with other people. You have to have people bear witness to the changes you're going through and you have to bear witness to them. And it's that process that we slowly start building each other up or tearing each other down. But um, yeah, that's, that's a big thing of why I really wanted to have this conversation with you because I think community and interpersonal relationships is so essential in the path of ascension or embodiment or becoming whole again. Uh, you can't do this work without other people, you know, in Buddhism, there's the Sangha, which is the, uh, like the spiritual family that the other people who are dedicated to waking up, you know, it's, it's important to have other people mirroring you know, the qualities that you wish to see in yourself. And, you know, you do that for me, you know, and your radical authenticity and commitment to being who you are, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, I think this leads me to not to have a hard pivot because honestly, everything is kind of interrelated here. Um, but you're also a musician. So on top of all of the communal work that you're doing, all of the, the bond building that you've done over the past five years, um, essentially introducing me to everything that I know today, you know, your, the things that you've done, I mean, re really, I mean, the reason I'm in this house is because, you know, of the things that you started. Um, but that's not even like your main thing, which is fascinating. What I also think is really dope about the grass uh, skeleton or the archetype that it is, is that it's like, you put as much time into it as you want, but it, if it's done well in a truly autonomous way, then you won't have to like carry the thing. Yep. You know, you could still pursue other passions. Yeah. So when did you realize that music was actually the, 
just such a good addition to this. Did music come first or was it after the fact? It was definitely first. Um, so I was raised in a pretty musical family. Um, uh, my dad's side of the family are all music teachers. Um, my sister uh, started choir at a very early age. Um, and we both did, uh, musicals and plays, uh, very early on. And, um, we learned piano, uh, we had a piano teacher for a while. Um, and then my sister started playing guitar. She started learning how to play guitar. And when she started learning how to play guitar, she started writing her own songs. And... Um, she ended up, um, booking herself at different coffee shops and our whole family would come to see her and record. And like, it was this whole thing. Um, and she had really good songs. Um, and through that, I started, I just like, I, I fell in love with it. You know, like I really fell in love with the concept of like, writing your own song and expressing it and like the people around you supporting you and like um just that whole feeling of being in that coffee shop was just like wow I could do this um I don't know if that was like a specific like thought process like oh I could do this but I think it just kind of imprinted into me um in some sort of way and um there's one day that I saw my sister's chord book, um, in the basement and we just had a guitar right there and I just picked up the, the guitar and looked through some chords and tried to play. And through doing that over and over and over again, um, I started learning how to play and watching YouTube videos, uh, different chords that, uh, sounded cool. Um, and by practicing that over and over again and just like winging it on the spot, I had like this little kid microphone that plugged into like <laughs> a little keyboard, like a kid's keyboard, plugged that into the computer, put up um, and uh, downloaded, what was it? Audacity and mm -hmm. started recording me playing and then I would play on top of it. Um, and this was like when I was 12 years old, like oh wow, okay. maybe even younger. Um, and through that, I just like fell in love with creating music and I would be down in the basement on the computer for hours, just like recording stuff. And so eventually I came to the point of like middle school and high school, I was writing my own music and people really liked it. Um, and it had this like positive feedback loop. So I just started writing more and, and creating more. And uh, freshman year of college, I made um, my earliest, like, I, I remember songs. I can still play songs that were from like 2010, 2011 earlier than oh, that. I don't remember yeah. any of the songs that I made, but 
2011 was when it really started picking up. 2012, 13, I started playing open mics at uh, O'Toole's. And around 2013 is when I started taking a lot of psychedelics. And I started really opening myself up to what was happening in the world. And that's when I started doing protesting and I started writing music that was about the struggle of freedom um, and living in a society that's profoundly sick. And so 2013-14, I made all of these songs and 2015 is when... um, I really put in the work to, uh, you know, help, help grasp become what it is. And Alex B. Croft coming in and really doing a lot of work with the facilitation. Um, and through grass, we created events, uh, where, uh, musicians could come to the stage and, um, people can share their gifts and dance and do yoga. Um, and so I started playing within that grass community and started playing at different festivals. Um, and it just kind of grew from there and the music, the lyrics and the music just kind of, it, it birthed this communication tool to reach out to the ether people in the collective um trying to communicate a message of empowerment that you can do this too um that although you may not know what you're doing you can still do it um and practice makes perfect and uh that love eventually wins you know uh I heard it said the other day that, uh, you know, there is a war on consciousness in our society and that the war is already won. That there's, like, the war is, is over. Like, we have won. It's just as it's going to play out. How is it going to show up? How is it going to play out? But once you live with that confidence... And that's what I try to communicate through the lyrics of this music is like once you once you operate with that confidence and that consciousness, then you know that even though there's going to be horrible things that happen in our society, it's the unveiling of truth. It's the unveiling of what we are becoming. Um, And that it's it's almost like the uh the shadow is is becoming is like rising to the surface so that it can be purged like not that you're ever going to let <laughs> get rid of your shadow but the ugly parts of our society that have operated from the shadow um are now rising to the light and people are able to see it and people are able to choose differently. Like this has been a cultural, uh, almost like a tradition to keep this certain thing going that harms people 
um, say racism, say, you know, anything that's like very toxic about our society. We have a dis- uh, choice now that we're able to see um, all these things that they're, they're finally coming to li- into light to choose differently. And I think that's uh, what I try to communicate through the, mu- the music and um, try to communicate through grass. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like... So I'm going to assume that when you say that the war is already over, that love is the thing that won? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was like, oh, God, I'm like on the edge of my seat here. <laughs> uh, oh, geez. Well, I also feel that. I honestly, I'm definitely a big proponent of like operating in the most optimistic fashion because that equips you with the energy to meet the world and its demands. And I think your music specifically, as well as other music in that vein, it's it's a wonderful reminder of that because it's oftentimes that we don't have that many reminders and we can be plunged into that like that space of darkness, you know, and which is part of the purging process. But, you know, with music like you're putting out, you know, I mean, especially with the lyrics, which I know you're primarily responsible for, but also just the rest of the music, the band is incredible. You have a really good lineup right now um, for everybody who isn't aware, which you should be because I said in the intro, but um, why not is the band. Why is in the letter dash not. Um, yeah. I mean, the entire vibe is so uplifting, but also not like it doesn't skirt away from addressing like the darkness and, you know, the real, it's not spiritually bypassing anything, right. but I think music like this is medicine in that it helps us stay up and be reminded that like, there's still fight to be had but it's like we have one you have to come from that place of we have already won i i really like that you said that that's good that's going to my book (laughs) good yeah so you actually just released a new album not that long ago or a new ep uh the acoustic sessions um when did that drop and what was that process like for you guys uh that dropped october 16th um and the idea got birthed in the pandemic, um, I was trying to come up with a way to produce music still. Um, and the band wasn't able to meet because of the pandemic. Um, and so my idea was that I would, um, do these acoustic sessions. The original idea was to do videos of each song that I've written in an acoustic format and also have this episode be explaining what the song is about, where it came from, um, so people can get an inside look on what it is I'm really trying to communicate. Um, eventually, it came to uh, be an album, and um, I started with a human that I was working with and uh, I kept going into the recording studio and the recordings came back and it was just not, it's just not what I wanted. It wasn't like, it wasn't something about the energetics of it wasn't working. And eventually I ran into this guy uh, synchronistically. His name is Jake, Jacob Penning. Um, And he said, yo, dude, I can just, I can record this first one for free and we can just work from there. And, and if you like what I can do, um, then, you know, let's keep going. And so he recorded the first one. Um, 
And I brought on uh, my roommate now, Connor, who plays the viola. Uh, and we, we recorded that first one, and it sounded so good. Um, it does, too. And that's when I knew that it was time to, you know, just record this whole thing. And it took a long time. It took a total of, like, three months, I think, to really solidify everything. Um but uh, yes, th- thank you. I I'm so happy with the way it turned out, um, and I'm excited for anything in the future. Now with the band, um, we are are practicing every week now, and it's becoming more organized. And we're we're getting into some really good stuff right now. Um, and we decided that somewhere in January or February we're gonna try, you know pandemic pandemic willing uh to record three new songs nice. and have that be uh put up on our spotify and just continue to create content and keep pushing it out yeah it's really a soundtrack for activists it's a soundtrack for spiritually minded folks meditators people who like to take care of themselves um for me it's definitely like the music has been a soundtrack to my entire experience at Grand Rapids, you know, like, especially with like grass, you know, it's, I can't think of one without the other, you know, it's been such a heavy presence in my life and in my friends' lives that, you know, thank you for being that open channel and allowing that beautiful music to come through. And um, thank you for finding a band that can also help honor the sounds that you're bringing out. Cause I think that everybody does bring their own voice, but uh, the central theme of like positivity is definitely always there. And I just thank you for uh, dedicating your life to this path and this passion. And um, yeah, I wish nothing but the best for you. And uh, yeah, all the details will be in the description. So I'll definitely make sure you uh, get some peeps, hopefully. I'm really grateful for you. And I'm really inspired by you starting this podcast. And I'm proud of all of the, work that you've done to really, you know, look deep within and see like, what are my passions? Like, let's write all these things down on a list and let's try to start from here. And like, um, your, your constant posts out into the ether, <laughs> out into down to Facebook and, uh, reminders of that inner guidance system. And, uh, the inner voice and intuition and love. Um, you just have so much heart, man. I'm so fucking proud of you. And thanks. man. I'm really grateful to be on this podcast and, and, and inspired that you wanted to, you know, ask me to be a part of it. It's, this is beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate you saying all that. Uh, two things. Um, I feel like you're probably going to be a returning guest. I just kind of get that vibe. (laughs) Um, I have some plans with how I want to handle, I'm going to have, like, I don't want to talk about it too much, but I have plans. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you'll definitely be making more of an appearance. Um, And the second thing is Internal Guidance System should be the name of your next album because that is a wonderful descriptor of what I try to communicate. So thanks for giving me the words to drape over that. Beautiful. Um, But, yeah, we're at 90 minutes, uh, which is pretty wild. Um, So before we let you go and get to your wonderful – Tuesday, Tuesday, it's Tuesday when we're recording this, 
where can people find you? How can they interact with you? Um, yeah, what, how, how do you show up in the world? <laughs> um, so a lot of ways I show up is Facebook. I'm trying to move away from Facebook because um, it has uh, been censoring a lot of my posts and a lot of my ways of connecting with other people. Um, so I'm on Telegram uh, at, you know, Tony Guerin, uh, T-O-N-Y-G-E-R-E-N. I'm also on a uh, social media site called MeWe, uh, the same name. And uh, you can find our band's uh, Telegram on Telegram. Uh, we have a whole channel that has our... Um, that has all of our posts, all of our updates, um, and it has a chat in there for every single update. You can um, respond back um, and ask for um, any requests or uh, promote any uh, encouraging, empowering content or whatever you wish. Uh, really trying to build a community with this band. And um, so, yeah, Telegram, MeWe. Facebook, um, and our band stuff is on YouTube. Um, and then also we have a website, uh, why not play music.com. Nice. I like that a lot. And it's why with, uh, the letter, the letter Y N O T play music.com. Yeah. For you have Spotify too, right? Yes. Yes. Cool. Are you, um, to type that in, is there a dash or is it just why not? It's Y dash N O T okay that's important and all that will be in the description too i just wanted to clarify that um you also have a podcast right yes. that's a thing yes yeah what's Sometimes that about it's 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 hard to label all the things because there's there's yeah. there's a lot and you can see how my life has been uh at times pretty uh d- disorganized uh, uh, but uh so the podcast is called tune in and find the others uh, and that is also on Spotify. Uh, it is on YouTube. Um, it's on Deezer. It's on um, Podcast Addict. Um, uh, Amazon Playlists or Amazon Podcasts. Or I don't know if they call it podcasts or whatever. It's I think it's like the Audible service. Amazon's Audible. Okay. That's what I'm on. Okay, I don't know yeah. if that's, I don't know if it's the same thing. So, yeah, it's, um, it's on a lot of different uh, podcast avenues. Um, so if you just search it, you'll be able to find it. And I haven't been putting out podcasts, um, in the past, like two months, but I'm going to start up again and you'll start to see those, uh, rolling in. Um, and yeah, love to have you back on the podcast as well. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right, Mr. Garen, thank you so much for your time. I know, uh, yeah, we're at 94 minutes, man. That's good. That's good. Um, I will see you next time. Uh, Yeah. Feel free to reach out whenever. Have yourself a great day. Love you. Love. All right, friends. That is the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. I really appreciate you and your time. I value it greatly and will do everything in my power to make sure that you are 
uh, met with the same energetic requirements that it takes to make it through an episode. Um, I'm going to let the rest of this song play out. Again, this is Break the Cycle from Why Not. Have a great week, everybody. My strength, I synergize my energy. Taking it back, my power, yeah. Taking it back, my freedom, oh. Oh, 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 oh. Break the cycle. Even need it frightful, oh, oh. Come on, find your center. The passion inside leads the truth to surrender. Says my strength, I synergize my energy, taking it back, my power, yeah, taking it back, my freedom, oh, 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 break the cycle, even near it frightful, oh, oh, come on, find your center, the passion inside leads the truth to surrender. Even if you're frightful, oh, oh, come.
Taking it back, my power, yeah, taking it back, my freedom, all. my weaknesses, my strength, I synergize my energy. Taking it back, my power, yeah, taking it back, my freedom. 